House Speaker Mike Hubbard is going to jail. A jury convicted him late last night on 12 different charges for using his political position and power to make millions of dollars. He really represents the, the true Republican causes by passing you know, multiple, uh, you know, he, he passed the uh, Revolving Door Act. Uh, he eliminated double dipping, and you know that's what we're proud of him for that. New at 1040 tonight, despite being an avid Auburn fan, Speaker of the Alabama House of Representatives Mike Hubbard was spotted in Tuscaloosa today wearing a red tie. I think I'm ready. I don't know. Okay. We'll see. Let's do it. Okay. This is Progressive South. I'm Will Lockamy. I'm Heather Milam. All right, Heather, we're going to talk about corruption today, Mike Hubbard style. Oh, boy. Here's the thing. I just don't know a ton about this. I do. I've read a lot and whatever, but I want to break it down to where I understand it, where the listeners understand it, and we can figure out where we are now because, you know, he was convicted three years ago, and he still has not gone to jail, and there's a reason for that. There are a lot of appeals happening. It's now at the Supreme Court of Alabama, and yeah, so it's in the news again. You know, when they might rule on this is nebulous as well, so we don't know what the outcome's going to be or when they're going to... Make a decision. Nebulous. That's a big word. Um, here's the deal. <laughs> there are going to be a lot of big words involved with this. Yeah. And what we're going to try to do today is take those big words out. So we understand you're probably going to think like, oh, but you didn't go into detail about uh, this part of this and this part of this. It's because we're trying to lay it out in a very simple kind of layman's terms. And I think that's part of the problem is that when you have something that is this complicated, legally speaking, I think the power... The powers that be, I know that's a cliched term, but the powers that be want it to be as complicated as possible so that you don't pay attention. But you're right. So we're going to try and break it down into, you know, easy to understand terms and, and you know, because we did our homework, kind of. <laughs> Turns out we have listeners that are outside of the state of Alabama and probably listeners here that are like me and may not know everything about this. Let's start with who is Mike Hubbard? That is a good question, Gosh, Will. thanks, Heather. Thanks for starting with that question. Mike Hubbard, he's the former, he served as the chair of the Alabama Republican Party, but he is the former Alabama House Speaker. He held a lot of power in Montgomery, and he was removed from the legislature as the Speaker of the House there in Montgomery after he was convicted of 12 felonies in 2016. That's a lot of felonies. Yeah, by a jury in Lee County, which is his home county here there, in Alabama. There are streets named after him there. Are there? I had a friend send me a picture of You're a street. Kidding. There, this is Mike Hubbard Boulevard. Well, he's the guy that started Auburn Network. Again, for those who aren't familiar with Alabama, they were covering Auburn sports, and that's a big, big deal here in the state of Alabama. Huge deal. All right, so 12 felonies, what were they? What was he charged with and, and convicted of? In 2016, he was convicted of 12 felonies by a jury in Lee County, his home county. But the Alabama Court of Criminal Appeals upheld 11 Only of the 11 12. Of the Only 11 of, no. of the 12. But he's like, whew. Yeah, but this the reason it's such a big story is not only the criminality of it, but these were all ethics violations. And in 2010, here in the state of Alabama, there was a big political change. And we went from having a majority Democratic representation in Montgomery to majority Republican representation. And that was only in 2010. A lot of people don't realize that. And after that election, the Republican-led legislature at this point passed new ethics laws, which he oversaw, right? He was helping pass these laws. And he's claiming ignorance of these laws as his defense. And the prosecutors are having none of that. Claiming ignorance on the laws that he was kind of in charge of passing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. The argument by his lawyers are that the laws are so vague. Yeah, but they wrote the laws, and the laws really aren't that vague. This is basically what's happening right now. Say, for example, I own thousands of acres of timber land in Alabama. Well, selfishly, I want the taxes on that property to be as low as possible, right? Well, then I hear the Speaker of the House is in financial turmoil. So I personally go up to him and say, hey, fella, how about I lend you some money? Now, my company hires lobbyists and we lobby in Montgomery and the company does all this stuff as a quote unquote principal. Um, and we hire lobbyists there in Montgomery to sort of, you know, lobby the legislature on our behalf. We want them to, we want to push legislation that keeps taxes low for us as a landowner. But I personally, even though I'm the owner of the company, I'm giving the speaker of the house some money on the side to help him because he's in financial struggles. Well, what Mike Hubbard and team are saying is that that isn't wrong. That's what we're dealing with right now. And if the Alabama Supreme Court agrees that that's not wrong, then we will usher in a very legitimate, crooked criminal state and say, hey, you can come in, own a company, lobby the legislature entirely. And if you as the owner of the company want to go give money to these people, go do it. You're not violating any any laws, which is crazy. You and I are sitting here recording this in a state that has major corruption issues, major yeah. corruption issues. And this would be not just a step back, but like a half marathon back. Like we would just like run backwards 13.1 right. miles. Sure. I would I would argue that it would be like an ultra, which you've done okay. this year recently. Oh, that's so long. It's a lot of running. <laughs> it's a lot of running. This would be a lot of running backwards. There's no question. Yeah. You'd probably trip a few times. Fall like I do. Yeah. Heather's a faller, by the way. <laughs> I've got the scars to prove it. I feel like it makes me a tough athlete, though. Oh, I was going to say clumsy, but tough's a good sure. word. Yeah. You just don't pick your feet up enough anyway. No, I don't. We digress. We digress. Degress. (laughs) What else about this guy? Only because, like, I feel like I've heard other stuff, but I I don't really know exactly what else has been going on with Mike Hubbard. So there was a Salon.com article that was really well done and researched. In fact, I learned a lot from reading it just in the last week, and, and I tweeted it out from my verified account on Twitter. So the GOP here in Alabama was the minority in Montgomery up until 2010. I think 136, let me look at my notes here, because I did some homework, 136-year reign the Democratic Party had here in the state of Alabama. That's crazy. Yeah, but think about what the Democratic Party was at one point. I mean, we're... Sure, it flipped. Yeah, no, I mean, some of that morals and values certainly flip from, you know, different parties, and it changes. Mike Hubbard was the chair of the of the Republican Party, and there was a committee, the RSLC, but it's the Republican State Leadership Committee, and why is that important? It was the home to the GOP's national redistricting strategy, and they were focused on states back in, like, 2010, right after Barack Obama had been elected. And they were looking for states that they could come in and start taking control over. And Alabama was not really on their map until Mike Hubbard approached them and said, I think we can do this. I on think their we map. Can- but nice. I like what you did there. <laughs> Tried. I, it's more than a hat rack. Redistricting. I mean, we're talking about gerrymandering, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which, by the way, that's got to be an episode coming up. So during back in 2000, so he started approaching the RSLC, this rep, this Republican State Leadership Committee, and saying, look, we can flip the Montgomery legislature and make it mostly Republican. And in order to do that, he was going to need money, right? And so he 
said, I've got money coming in from Porch Creek Indian, and that's casinos here in the state of Alabama, which is a controversial thing for the conservative electorate that is gambling, right? Sure. So instead of the Porch Creek Indians giving directly to the GOP here in the state of Alabama, he asked the RSLC to funnel that money for him. So basically, dollar for dollar, the money was given to the RSLC, and then the RSLC funneled that money into the Republican efforts to flip the legislature in order to redistrict and essentially gerrymander our state. And all that's been proven? Well, so the Salon.com article basically says this, and I think this is worth reading because it sort of breaks it down in a very simple way. It basically says the lawyer's report for the RSLC, who was doing some auditing, said um, that the RSLC served as a money laundering pass-through for toxic campaign donations from casino interests washing the money clean, and then returning it to Mike Hubbard for use and flipping Alabama's legislature from blue to red. Now that you need the public court to decide what's going to happen, because this is up to the Alabama Supreme Court, but that doesn't look good for the guy who's trying to defend himself, saying, oh, I didn't violate ethics laws. And currently, with, you know, 11, 12 ethics violations, you know, criminality, he was like, well, I was just ignorant. That's his defense, ultimately, is I just didn't understand the law. Really? Are we prepared to let our public officials, one of the most powerful individuals in Montgomery at the time, we're going to let him off on sheer ignorance based on his history? I just, I can't get there. Yeah, it's hard to think of normal citizens being let off or not charged or not prosecuted with crimes because they just say, oh, I didn't know about that. Like, uh, you can't, that's not a thing in normal life. Yet no. we're seeing that some now in political figures' lives. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I, it does concern me, and I'll take it to sort of this political party thing. The entire Supreme Court in the state of Alabama is Republican. All of them. They're all affiliated with the Republican Party. And we can say that in a perfect world, parties don't matter, but especially in the state of Alabama, it does. And I worry, I really worry that the Alabama Supreme Court is not going to rule in favor of the law and what is morally and ethically and legally the right thing to do. I mean, do you have I mean, here's my any uh, concerns about that? I mean, yeah. I know you have concerns, but sure. No huge concerns. I don't have much hope. I'll say this, and I've said it many times. I don't think that our judges and especially our Supreme Court should those should not be partisan positions and the Chief Justice Agreed. especially that should not be a partisan position you shouldn't have people running for that spot and being elected simply because people are checking uh, this party or that party that's not how that should work well no and you're making a really good reference because on every ballot here in the state of Alabama when we have these elections in the midterms or in the you know uh, general presidential years every voter in the state of Alabama has the option to vote just straight party they don't even have to look at the person that they're voting for. Here was a big thing that I read today, and I told you it, it gave me anxiety reading it, that Mike Hubbard looked like he got himself into a position where he had this power and authority, and he also had these business dealings outside that had landed him in major debt. And I'm not talking about like, oh, I got to pay off this credit card kind of debt. I'm talking about like hundreds of thousands, like getting up close to like a million dollars. It looked like one of them alone was $450,000 he was going to be responsible for. And that I think is what led to a lot of these instances of him going to people and being like, I'm in a bad spot. Like I need some money 
how can we make this work? That's a really good point. So he had 25% ownership in a company called Craft Master, and $600,000 came in from people who own principals in Montgomery, meaning people who own companies that are lobbying in Montgomery, they quote unquote individually gave to Mike Hubbard's company that was in desperate need for cash because it was in debt royally, right? Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Also worth noting, he received lucrative contracts, one totaling $10,000 a month. And so, you know, the prosecutors are saying, look, he's using his speaker position to influence these individuals who have great interest in how the legislative body governs in Montgomery. And the owners of these companies and the owners who have influence, they're giving him money. All right. So, for example, in April 2011, he had communication with Will Brooke, who is a board member at the Business Council of Alabama, right? He gave him a resume, a headshot, a full biography. Mike Hubbard gave Mr. Brooke. Brooke, yeah. And asking... If Brooke can help him find employment. I'm not kidding. I have, uh, like, I really had this kind of like, oh, man, it, uh, the dude is in a tough spot at this point. Right. I see it right here. But here's where the problem came in. In that exact same communication, while he's sending the resume and the headshot and biography and asking for a job, in that same communication, Hubbard pledged to protect state funding for the Boys and Girls Club. That sounds great, right? Except that's something that Brooke's wife, wife was involved yeah. with. So you can't, we've got to stop this. We have to stop this. I wish for Mike Hubbard's sake, and forget the politics side of it. I mean this just as a person to another person because I'd hate to, you know, nobody wishes harm on somebody else. He got himself into a bad position financially. I wish he would have resigned from politics and said, you know what? I'm now going to, I have connections all over because of my political past. I'm now going to use that to get some gainful employment and take care of these debts and get out of this bad situation I'm in. Instead, he stayed in politics and he stayed as the Speaker of the House and continued to try to gain employment and use his power to do that. And I think that is inherently the problem we have in the state, right? Is that he could have easily resigned and focused on himself and his family and his own well-being and asked his friends, right? These, these might have been his friends. But rather, he used his position of power, and that is where it's wrong. It is wrong when you use my government, your government, to enrich yourself, and that is where the inherent problem is. Right, time for the non-news story of the week. Oh, no. Oh, uh, this one. Oh, no. Well, I mean, it's not... <laughs> All right, the headline that's from the Associated Press, Indiana Company Sparks Outrage with an Ohio Candle. It's what? unscented. Out of Cleveland, Ohio, from the Associated Press, an Indiana company is raising the ire of its neighbors in the Buckeye State with its marketing of an unscented Ohio candle, candle with a description, not much to see, not much to do. What? What in the... What? Is that really news? No, it is a news story. What? That's not news. I know, but That's also, funny. who did this? <laughs> who in Indiana decided... Uh, it's Oh, it's, I'll tell you, it's Fort Wayne Company. Simple nature. Yeah, so well, the that comp- just makes me sad. Have you been to Ohio? Throwing so much shade. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a ton. A ton. I I've, had a great time in Columbus. Yeah, I mean, I've been to Indiana and Ohio. They're both fine. Indiana. <laughs> hey, here's an interesting thing about Ohio. Did just you know kidding. that's where the American accent comes from? So yes. out, right outside of Columbus, they say, is where the 
no accent. Like, that's with the American accent, which means a lot of major national broadcasters that you see and have heard for years and years of radio and TV, they're from that area because they have no accent at all. So I took a class, one of my first community Actually, my first communications class in college was to rid us of our accents. And that's where I learned that Ohio was like the neutral point of America, the Midwestern. We were trying to get all of us to that Midwestern accent. So we were literally training on it. The class was called Voice and Diction. And we were training on the Midwestern Ohio accent. That's it. Columbus, Ohio. That's where it comes Look, from. I think, Indiana, you're petty. Grow yeah. up, and you're you're not worthy of a news story. <laughs> Here's why this it really is not a news story. Simple Nature, the company that's doing this and now has the attention of the Associated Press, uh, the owner, Derek Miles, is a one-person company. So basically one dude, <laughs> one dude decided, I'm going to throw some shade, and now we are here talking about it in Alabama from the Associated Press. Of a candle. How funny is that? A candle that is not scented. Good on him. Unscented, excuse me. That's <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah, good on him, though. Simple nature. Go check it out. All right. Uh, no, don't. No, don't. I mean, don't. Don't. I mean, don't. Non-news yeah. story of the week. 